0: Hello and welcome everyone to the first in our new online series called Sinn Féin in Conversation. And we're very pleased to have with us as our first guest the economist, the author and broadcaster, David Williams. David, thanks a million for being with us here. It's my pleasure, my
1: pleasure.
0: Look, we've had a huge number of comments on social media over the last number of days and people who are very anxious, some of them are quite angry, uh, some of them looking and most of them looking for answers of how the economy can respond to the COVID-19 crisis uh, that we're facing. In particular, they want to know what the banks can do, uh, why the banks haven't stepped up, the central bank, during an unprecedented crisis, and what can be done using every instrument of the state uh, to make sure that we support workers, we support families, and businesses are protected and supported during this crisis. And just as importantly, some of the comments that we're seeing coming in, they're also asking what can be done in the aftermath of this health crisis, when we get the better of this virus, to reboot, to restart the economy, to make sure it rebounds, that employment is there, that businesses are keeping their doors open, and particularly that we don't follow the path that we followed nearly a decade ago, where after the late, last crisis that was followed by nearly a decade of, of austerity. So let's begin by taking some of the questions that we've got from uh, those. Lots of people. lots of questions there, Pierce. Lots of questions. So the first we can group these first couple of questions, David. Um, Yeah, there's four here in particular, and I maybe ask you to kick off on on these. Josie asks, what has the Central Bank of Ireland's response been to the crisis? Mm -hmm. Deborah Deborah wants to know what level of interest rates from the banking sector can be applied to SMEs on loans to reboot and open the doors when the crisis is over. John has asked, in what way is the European Central Bank going to help Ireland and other EU member states? What's the sort of financial package that they will come up with and now to help its members? And also, this should not be like the last recession and be blamed on a country as we were the last time and still paying it back. JC comes in on Twitter and asks, given recent European central bank announcements, the, is this an opportunity for Ireland to refinance national debt borrowings at a lower rate? Uh, and is also this an opportunity for all of the banks to cut mortgage and loan rates? So a lot of these kind of topics, David, yep. are, were covered in your most recent podcast. And I would encourage anybody who hasn't been listening to David McWilliams' podcast, you're missing out. And especially at this time when we're <laughs> all isolating and staying in the home, there's no better uh, way to, pass than to tune in.
1: Great stuff, Pierce. OK, well, listen, very interesting questions. Josie, Deborah, John and JC, how are you doing? How are you doing there? I will answer them. In a second, I just think the most important thing to do for all of us is to realize that this is a temporary crisis. And everything we do right now has to be predicated on making a temporary crisis a temporary crisis and not making something permanent. So therefore, what we need to do is we need to put the economy to sleep and wait until the crisis passes. And in that period of putting the economy to sleep, we've got to make sure that people's anxieties, which are already inflated over our health and worries about our parents in particular, whatever, that those anxieties aren't compounded with unnecessary economic anxieties that are unnecessary because we have all the tools at our disposal. What I'd like to reassure everybody is we can fix this. There are the tools. Now, just so you know, a bit of economic jargon, right? The tools, basically does the economy has two fists, right? One fist is fiscal policy, that's taxes and spending, and the other fist is is monetary policy, which is your interest rates and your banks and your flow of money around the economy. Now I think all the questions are pertaining to this fist, right, the monetary policy fist. My fear is that we are fighting a battle where we should have two fists with one fist tied around our back, which is the monetary policy idea, which is the central bank. What I've said is the central bank has kind of abdicated in the crisis, it's disappeared. And that I think is very worrying because the central bank has enormous power, enormous power, and that power should be used in a crisis. And this, as we know, is a crisis. So to answer the questions, I think Josie was first about the central bank. I believe, Josie, that the central bank should be much more active in this particular issue and much more engaged and much more front and central And that means talking to the banks, changing the rate of interest, applying its, we forget that the banks will actually be our friends. I know it sounds weird in this, in the sense that the banks are there to use what the European Central Bank has given them. I'll explain that in a minute. So what we need to do is get the banks inside the tent, okay? And this may be unpalatable to a lot of people, but that's just the way it has to be. And I think what basically happens is you use all your resources. The first thing is, to answer your question, Josie, I think the central bank has been very poor. Uh, uh, Deborah, you were talking about small and medium-sized companies. Just a word about small and medium-sized companies. Half of all Irish people, which is an extraordinary figure, are employed in what are called small or medium-sized companies. There are companies, small ones anyway, which have less than 50 employees. So half of all Irish people are employed in companies with less than fifty employees, small companies and then micro companies which are less than ten employees. They're the very companies that don't have the cash flow to get over this next three months. So the large companies, the public sector has the cash flow. The multinationals they have the cash. It's the small guys who employ half of the people in the country who don't have the cash. The other big side in terms of small businesses are the self-employed individuals who run those small businesses. And that again, is about another 320,000 people. What we're talking about is that sector. The big guys can look after themselves. The multinationals can look after themselves. The public sector will look after itself. So it's the it's the breathing part of the economy. And as you said, Deborah, one of the big costs for small uh, enterprises is loans, because you need to take out a loan to buy whatever it happens to be a bit of fixed capital, right? To set up your business. Now, The European Central Bank is offering interest free money to the banks. Just remember that the European Central Bank is now offering interest free money to the banks. So the banks can charge interest rates as low as 1% and still make money. Okay, just to explain to you that what's happening is the central bank lends the Irish Central Bank money, it lends the Irish banks money, and they lend to us. Okay, so forever. For, for every loan, there's a borrowing. So the central bank should be called in and said, look, we've got these small enterprises that employ half the people that are actually the ones without cash at the moment. You are charging them three, four, five per six uh, 5% interest rate, drop that to 1% and you still make, a money, make money because you use the new money that's coming from the European Central Bank. So, Deborah... I would say the banks, with respect to small uh, and medium-sized enterprises, are way behind the curve. And what I would add, it's in the bank's interest right now, And this is the most important thing, it's in the bank's interest right now to make sure that no small businesses go bust. And the reason is the following, what the banks don't want when we all wake up from this is to have a whole host, tens of thousands of small businesses defaulting on them. Because they are bad loans. They are loans that the banks have to go in and try and get repaid or sell on. And that's a total headache for them. So we should appeal to the bank's self-interest. I always uh, think that appealing to people's self-interest is always a good way of persuading them. So that would be my, my, my situation. I think we can drop those interest rates much, much lower to at least 1%. Then the small business gets a break and the bank still makes money because the European Central Bank has come in and has basically opened up the spigots has opened up as much money as you want. I think that leads us to the next question. I think it was John was asking about the ECB. JC, yeah. JC, no, it was John and then JC. John, uh, the ECB have acted uh, with incredible speed, slightly late in the day, but speed nonetheless. So about two and a half weeks ago, just before Paddy's day, Christine Lagarde, who is the head of the European Central Bank said, look, there's nothing to see here. It's not our business, okay? And then a week later, she actually went on and she said, you know what, that was my mistake. I'll give you 750 billion euros of free money to the banks to fix this problem. That's about 7% of total European GDP. So the central bank, as in the European central bank, the one in Frankfurt, has really come up to the plate. And even yesterday, it went one more, and it said that banks should not pay dividends to shareholders. So they should keep their capital. So again, that gives the banks even more capital to do what we're talking about here, which is to help the economy. And finally, JC, on the on, on central, well, was it uh, the national debt, etc. A big fear of mine is that any spending we incur now for ventilators, for PPEs, for hospitals is put onto our, nat- our national debt. And in the future sometime, in the future sometime, we will have to incur an austerity budget in order to pay for this, right? And the problem is, is once you put that in the national debt that exists, and let's say interest rates go up in five weeks, five, let's say five years' time, then if interest rates go up dramatically, which they could, way, way beyond this crisis, what you'll find is we will end up not being able to build roads or schools or hospitals or, or, or public housing because of the legacy debt of the last couple of weeks and maybe the next three or four months, that we have to ensure does not happen. And in fact, I'll explain to you later on how we can ensure that that does not happen. So, But the point is, Pierce, all the tools are at our disposal.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and, and you can see probably with the, the ECB, and I think the ECB misstepped and Lagarde herself misstepped when she she made those comments and you've seen the markets then reacting in relation to Italy. And then there was a fear straight away that this, this issue could become a sovereign debt issue where the markets were were praying in Italy and then who who is next and could some other European country be on their side so the ECB come out with the right policy which is we will do whatever it takes so they have yeah. made the money available they've reduced they've they've got rid of the the type of uh, criteria the limits in terms of the amount of bonds that could be bought in the secondary market which is the right thing because that still leaves countries vulnerable and that's just making sure that the the debt is there, that the national debt, that we're not going to be closed out from the markets. Ireland has the opportunity probably to talk about JC's point. I think the MTMA has done a a very good job over a recent period because bond yields had dropped and dropped significantly right across Europe, but Ireland has been able to benefit from that. Short-term bonds have been in negative territory, so a lot of refinances have gone on so far anyway. We still do have a stockpile of, of, of money with the MTMA, about 20 billion euro, that's available as well, but obviously that would need to be re- replenished. So there has been a lot of uh, work done with the NTMA, and that's why our borrowing costs have come down significantly because of uh, the the role that they've done. But I think the the key thing here, in in my view, and I was tweeting about this um, last week, and I know David made the same point about the role of the central bank. There's, role of the central banks twofold. There's obviously the, the the consumer protection role, and then there's the the financial system and monetary policy. And on that part, they are really, really uh, lagging in 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 my view. And there's a lot that can be done. We've written to the Minister for Finance nearly two weeks ago, talking about using the European Stability Mechanism. It's a, it's an institution that exists. They have being able to raise money at a European level through what's called Eurobonds, basically drawing the support of all of Europe together and being able to raise that money. It comes with huge conditionality, and we know this because it it basically, if you tap into this type of money, you go into a programme, a type of austerity programme. Those conditions need to be waived, and then now that mechanism, in my view, needs to be used as a way to fund and finance the debt that's going to be incurred not just by Ireland but by European nations in relation to dealing with the specific COVID uh, issues and there's there's a number of things that are going to be in common. Each country will do their own suite of measures which they think is appropriate but there's a number of things that will be common within all European countries that is additional spending on health that is necessary to keep people safe and keep as many people alive through this this period as possible. The second thing is there will be wage subsidies right across the board and the third uh, issue is about that type of stimulus package that liquidity that we'll need for companies. Those three issues at least could be funded by the ESM on long-term bonds at zero interest which David, you can argue yeah. for it is, is, is the likes of uh, free money.
1: Well, I mean, the, I mean, the, the very interesting thing, uh, and I'm, I'm very well aware I'm talking to a Sinn Féin audience here, but bear with me. Uh, the British actually only paid the last debt of the First World War last year. They issued a 100-year bond to fight the First World War. Uh, they went to the British public and they said, listen, do you want to finance this? And the British public said, well, look, hold on a second. I'm not going to be around in 100 years. But British banks came in and financed it. The point is, you can do what they did 100 years ago. The idea that we this now don't have the brains and the courage and the ideas to finance what is a once-in-a-lifetime shock is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah. look what the Brits did. They it, they They basically paid for a war. And it took them 100 years to do so. It's all very doable. And we could encourage through, it's not just us, it's the French, the Spanish, the Italians, we're all on the same side here. Encourage a 100-year zero interest rate bond to be raised to pay for all this. And that would make sure that the debt that you're worried about, Pierce, doesn't lead to a hike in our debt. And then in a couple of years' time, we end up raising taxes and cutting expenditure to pay for what is the immediate health crisis now. So it's really important we can do. Th- the interesting thing is, Piers, I think is lots of countries are with us on this. We're not alone okay. on this.
0: I'm going to have to move it on because there's a number yeah. of other questions sure. coming in and I agree 100% with you in, in relation to that. But let's let's bring in some other questions, David. We've got Catherine who says both myself and my husband lost our jobs due to COVID-19. Today, AIB took almost 100 euro from us with bank fees. Anne has come in saying, could you please discuss the three month mortgage break? It should be a mortgage freeze, like what all other countries have done. Government should freeze mortgages. Darn has come in in Dublin and asks, could you please address the three month mortgage break? So it's the same type of issue again. I just spoke with my bank and the interest will still accrue as normal. How can they be allowed to be making a profit off people's misfortune? Stephen says, I would like to ask if the panel if I and seventeen thousand people whose mortgages were sold to vulture funds from Permanent TSB last March, can we also get relief from COVID nineteen? Michelle asks Pierce, would you deal with the and the charges they are afflicting on people? Um, so let me maybe come in here first, uh, d- David, uh, t- to Catherine, Anne, and Darren and Stephen, and Michelle. Which the, the, the questions have all been around right. the same thing. It's the it's the role of the individual banks, the vulture funds, in relation to how they're how they're treating customers at this point in time and it even goes beyond just the fairness of how they're treating their customers at this point in time as we put the economy to sleep what we need to do is we need to make sure that incomes are protected that we do we don't reduce incomes in households so what we were talking about earlier on is the central bank making it available to financial institutions you know close to a trillion euro is about trying to get credit flowing into those households What the banks did yesterday, AIB did yesterday, was they took about 70 million out of the bank accounts of those households. It was the wrong thing to do. Outside of a fairness point of view, it was the wrong thing for the economy. It's the wrong thing to do in the fight against this crisis. Bank of Ireland did the same thing on the 22nd of March. It doesn't make sense. At a time when we're asking people, when the government are saying, we'll defer your VAT payments, when we're saying we're deferring this, deferring that, uh, because we know when passing emergency legislation, increasing payments to make sure that additional money is coming into households, that the bank is basically dipping into your pockets through uh, the, through the, 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 the your, your account and, and taking this money out. I've been inundated by messages from people. People who had as little as 60 euro in their account were waiting on the pandemic unemployment payment, they lost their job as a result of the the Covid crisis, were waiting on this and had the bank take 86 euro or more from from their account. What adds injury to insult here is that if you have two and and a half thousand euro and if you've been able to keep two and a half thousand euro in your account over the last three months, or for Bank of Ireland it's three thousand euro, there's no charges apply. So these are people who are week to week, uh, who really need the support. And really, what I'm asking and have called on on the banks individually and the minister, this money should be refunded. It should be deferred uh, at the minimum until the other side of this this, this crisis. And um, in relation to the three month freeze, this is something I really welcome because I do believe that the 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 banks have a role to play here. Not just we we need to f- make sure that liquidity flows into businesses. We need to support. Uh, households in terms of their own liquidity by making sure that there's a break in terms of mortgages. I called for this before it was announced, but the detail was terrible. What happens is, unlike what's happening in Spain, where there's basically no uh, payments to be made over three months, no interest accrues, what's happening here in Ireland is they're still charging interest. Interest will accrue in your mortgage over the three-month period, which means, to give you an example, if you borrow €200,000 from, say, Bank of Ireland, you'll end up over a 30-year period paying about €200,000 back 140000 in interest, €340,000. But because of this three-month break, they're now going to hit you with a COVID penalty of about €1,800. Euro. So you will pay €1,800 euro more over the lifetime of your loan. Obviously, if you have a larger loan than 200000 you're paying a lot more. Some people have been in contact with me saying they're going to be hit by €3,500 as a result of this. It isn't the right thing to do. The banks are charging twice the European average. As we talked earlier on, there is very cheap money here. The banks need to do the right thing, in my view, which is waive the interest during this period. Or we need to take maybe more drastic actions like Spain has done and basically order them to, to, to do just that. Spain's in the European Union. We're in the European Union. It can be done there. It can be done here.
1: Uh, you're absolutely right, Pierce. I mean, this really annoys me because, interestingly, the European Central Bank are wise to this and they on last Friday said, hold on a second, the banks do not need to pay shareholders any income over the next few months. In fact, the European Central Bank has banned banks from paying income to shareholders. So think where banks income goes, if it doesn't go to shareholders and it doesn't go to employees, it stays in the bank, right? So we know that the banks are not increasing people's wages at this stage, right? And we also know that the people they have laid off, or if they do lay off, the government is going to subsidize uh, their wages in order to try and keep them in a job. Also, this European Central Bank was wise to this idea that said, hold on a second, lads, you can't do this. So we have not just a moral uh, argument, but there's also an economic argument to say to the banks, and remember the large thing. shareholder in the in the bank you're talking about, an AIB, to say, look, you're already charging twice the European average for mortgages. The European average mortgage is about a one and a half percent. Irish average is three percent, and new mortgage mortgages is four percent. Right, so you're already charging too much. On the issue of people of the rent freeze, on the mortgage freeze, and, and, and bank fees, you just have to stop because we're in this together. Right now. This is where we started by saying the central bank is missing in action. It's gone missing in the crisis. This is precisely where the central bank comes in, calls them in and says, listen, lads, I have a thing called a license here that you need to trade. Think about it. Banks need a license, the license given by the central bank. And we could really be unpleasant to you, but we won't be unpleasant to you. But number one, stop all bank fees during this period. We accept that your income is going to fall, but we also accept you don't have to pay shareholders, so just mind your money properly. Number two, the idea that you will incur interest in the mortgage freeze, I think, is scandalous, right? That basically, as you said, what they're saying is, you won't pay your mortgage from now till August, but the interest that is on that, we're going to plop that on the top and charge you at the end. That's the sort of stuff an active central bank comes in and and basically says, look, we're all in this together. We're on the side of the people. You as a banking system wouldn't exist without the people's deposits. So they are actually lending you money every single week. Now, let's do this together. The banks will come back, uh, Piers, just so you know. And they'll say, yeah, but look, if we cut mortgage rates now, how do we pay deposits, right? Depositors, older people, for example, who have yeah. uh, deposits. And again, I think it is incumbent on us to explain on the public airwaves that over the next few months, interest rates for depositors will also fall and whatever small income was actually accruing to them will fall, but it's part of the overall thing. And I come back to this at the very start. If we want to make this recession, not a depression,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. when we come out of this, we've got to do all these things now. And, 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 Pierce, I really believe, and maybe I'm naive about this, that there is a sense of national solidarity at the moment, that these are unique moments in history. And those unique moments in history, you don't let them pass, because if you let them pass, you will look back on them and say, why didn't we act? So with respect to the economy, it's exactly the same as with respect to the health service, with respect to the banking side of the economy. We act now. We address these issues. You know, I can see you know, someone like Catherine has lost her job, right? To actually get AIB taking 100 quid off it, it's just, it's, kind of, it's very galling. So the idea, again, I come back to this idea that our job now as citizens of the country is to try and reduce the anxiety of other members of the community. And those anxieties are number one, health, and number two, wealth. And we've got to try and make sure that at least the wealth bit, the money bit, we do everything in our power to make sure that people get over this and get at the far side in some sort of shape.
0: Yeah. And like a lot of people expected that these fees wouldn't be charged, particularly by AIB, because they wrote to all their customers um, two weeks ago or three weeks ago and basically said that they were introduced charges for those who had the two and a half thousand euro uh, with them over three months. And then because of People like myself and others who put public pressure on them—they yeah. actually, they actually responded to that and said, "We're not going to do that." But these people, like Catherine and others, people who've, you know, are really, really worried. The level of anxiety is huge, and just to have that money snatched from them at this point in time. Stephen asked a question in relation to the the vulture funds as well, in relation, and does the three-month break apply? The problem here is that each vulture fund is operating a different system. So, and you know well, much
1: more about this than I do as well. Yeah,
0: and while, while, the, uh, while some are basically saying, yes, the three months is available, others are saying you need to give us a standard financial statement, and others are saying, mm-hmm. they're saying okay, it's available, but we're going to increase your repayments on €100 Euro per month over the next number of months until you pay it all back, which a lot of people simply can't afford to do. Many people yeah. who are hands of vultures in the first place are people who were in mortgage distress. So there is a real need to, for for people to, to 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 grip this. And before I move on to probably the, the, the other questions, the one thing that kind of calls me, and we touched on it earlier on, is I wrote to the governor of the central bank two weeks ago, or nearly three weeks ago now, on this issue, calling for a three-month freeze, calling for a number of measures to be introduced. The response I got back, and I did get a response, was basically we're monitoring the banks, this is a commercial decision for each of the banks and that is not, if, if we had our health workers say the same thing, this is up to the people who are already employed, I'm not going to step forward, I'm not going to be one of the 60,000 who's answered Ireland call, if we got the guards taking the same response or people in our defence forces or community volunteers then Ireland would be in a very very difficult place here now but because of the response of people right across this nation we are doing our best, we are flattening the curve, we are working together. The central bank has to play its part, and they can't take a hands-off approach in, in, in relation to this. David, I'll just come in in, in relation to some of the, the other questions we have here. We have um, Finn and Kerry. Uh, I want to ask you both. Um, sorry, Finn and Kerry, what, what, a, what you think about the crisis being the catalyst to reset the economy and society? The things we were told were impossible, unconstitutional, and would take a decade to achieve have been done with the stroke of a pen overnight how could we possibly roll back on a single tier health system, affordable childcare or rent freeze? Uh, Linda in Dublin asks, how does David see Ireland recovering economically from something like this? And how long can we sustain a lockdown without damaging the economy? She goes on to say, my concern is no government across the EU seems to be talking about the long term plans for recovery. Uh, And Sandra asks, what are small businesses going to do when they reopen for cash flow? Invoices that were not were sent before the shutdown won't be paid, and God only knows how long we will be waiting for them to be paid off when we're back trading, as every business is in the same position. Um, if I could just say for, for, to, to answer Fiona's or Finn's question and Kerry, um, I don't think we can go back to, to, to the old normal. I don't think that we can or we should go back to the idea of a two-tier health system that idea that you're, you know, that you're able to jump the queue based on the fact that you've, you've, you have you've feel that you've been forced into taking private health care. The fact that so many people are, are waiting on trolleys or long lists because we haven't invested uh, in in capacity within our health system. And look, we're all talking about capacity now. We're talking about the extra beds, taking over of the private health hospitals, trying to, you know, we'll be looking at more emergency measures in terms of additional capacity that we need in, 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 in areas we've turned some of our football grounds into testing and facilities and all the rest and we would have been in a far better position in my view if we had invested in our health system in a way that didn't uh, see some of the the type of uh, money that's going in there wasted and when I talk about wasted I'm talking about surgeons who aren't able to carry out their job because there's not a bed there for their patient to recover in because we have a lack of capacity within the system I don't also believe that, you know, that, that we, we should roll back from rent freezes over the next, uh, uh, when we get on the other side of this crisis. There is a need for a rent freeze for, in our view, a period of three years until capacity is built up within the, the housing system as well. The idea that legislators are somehow going to trot into Leinster House and vote to actually allow landlords who are already charging some up to €2,000, Euro, to increase the, that I, I don't think is acceptable and shouldn't happen. And I think that's the outcome of the election that we've had in, in the last couple of uh, weeks. Many of the things that we've done over the stroke of a pen, which said that wasn't possible, are things that we've been campaigning on for a long time, uh, among others. I think, you know, it's happening in a very different circumstances, but we shouldn't be rolling back. We should be looking at when we rebuild this economy, when we kickstart it, and there's going to be a lot, a lot of challenges. My own view is the amount of Expenditure we've spent so far in terms of wage subsidy, in terms of the pandemic unemployment payment, additional health is in the small is is in the margins of what 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 will be required, uh, in 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 in, in to, to to kickstart the economy and not just you know business, but also our community sector, our charity sector, which also will all be needed the, the type of supports uh, as a result of, of 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 this crisis. So, David, if you want to pick up on. Either that point or any of the other two points that came in from Linda well, or Sander. What's your views on? I
1: think of- I think the, the, I think to, to answer the, all the points because the points are the points are about is this a moment of change and can we go forward uh, with a different worldview? Uh, it's very unusual, Pierce. You'll have me quoting Lenin, but I'll do it nonetheless. Uh, Lenin said, Vladimir Lenin said, there are decades when nothing happens, yeah. and there are weeks when decades happen. Okay, and what he was saying is there are these pivotal moments where everything stops and we move on to a different trajectory. And I think we're at one of those now. The the way I see it is that internationally, for example, we will have a reconfiguration like we had after the Second World War, which is when they set up the World Bank and the IMF and the, uh, the United Nations and all these big institutions. I think that will happen because we cannot have a system whereby the capitalist, need to trade, which is essential for the economy to grow, okay, imperils the health of the nation. We have to have some sort of standards. That's the first thing. Secondly, back home, I think, and I've always thought this, Pierce, we're about four or five big decisions away from creating something really good in this country, okay? I've never never felt that we're miles behind. I've always felt that we're about, I would say, a good decision every six months on the economy over a three or four year period. And a lot of the stuff that we complain about here can be fixed really quite easily. So we shouldn't mire ourselves in the sense that the struggle is titanic. It's not, okay? Now I think with respect to the health service, never again, never again will a paramedic not be able to treat somebody for want of equipment. I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't think people will tolerate it. And I think people need to be reminded that the people, yeah. like I'm even looking out my window, you know, Dublin bus drivers driving around, they're still driving around all the time, you know. They never again would people like that I be regarded as secondary to the overall concerns yeah. of what would have been in the old days the economy, which is, yeah. you know, the, the concerns of the, the wealthier class. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing, I think it's it was at Finn's point, I think you can reset a country. But again, it's this idea of, in the overall picture, saying the crisis now gives us an opportunity to think differently and that's what we've got to do, uh, it seems to me that housing is going to still be the big issue because the health service, I think, will be so elevated now, there's so much money put to it, and everybody, nobody will argue against money in the health service. I think now the housing situation has to be tackled. And I come back to you, you made the point more eloquently than I did, basically housing is a struggle in this country between the interests of the owners of land and the interests of working people. That's it, okay? And Mm -hmm. over time, we need to reduce the interests of the owners of land, okay? In terms of rezoning and changing our planning. But Owen has all this in his book, okay? You don't need me to tell you. And elevate the concerns of working people. And there's also a generational thing there is that when house prices rise, younger, poor people suffer most, okay? When house prices rise, it's younger people suffer most and it's the poorer people in that cohort. So we're having a generational battle whereby the old and the middle-aged are being rewarded as house prices goes up and the young are being penalized. And after all, the crazy thing is it's the young that are going to pay for you and me, Pierce, when we get old and end yeah. up needing help. So yeah, I, I, I think that... You know, Sinn Féin is. You don't even tell you this. Sinn Féin's in a very good position to articulate these these concerns, and this is a moment.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the, the only probably dispute I would have, or or difference of opinion I'd have, is I'm not sure. I would love to believe it, David, that you know, never again will people not object to money going into the health service or supporting our nurses or our paramedics without the equipment. Um, and when you're in the middle of this crisis and we've seen that just amazing effort and you know we we know the figures we we see that a quarter of people with the the virus are, are frontline health workers um and it's not just those workers but others in the front line but look it was only last year we were out in the picket lines with these same workers you know um who were arguing for capacity additional resources being able to take the nurses home and and and, and attract the uh, nurses back back to our own country I, i'm not convinced that um that you know we will use the aftermath of this crisis when i say i'm talking about the old guard that will use the aftermath of this crisis to try and say well that we've borrowed we need to be fiscally prudent we need to ensure that we can pay for everything and so on and so forth and of course those things matter but that probably is the reason why the earlier bit of our conversation is so important how is actually this paid for and how do we restructure how do we ensure that when the economy is kicked back into life um that 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 we that, that we shape it in a way that makes sure that no matter what happens, whatever crisis comes down the line, whether it's another virus or uh, some other pandemic, that we, we don't have that type of huge issue in terms of capacity or or you know, trying to convince our, our nurses to come back from 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 Australia or Canada or or wherever. So I'm not as convinced that it's going to happen automatically. Or it's I think that that'll be the case for a number of months, and then people will return to form. And that's why I think that people who want that type of change needs to start to thinking about it, discussing it. And that's what's been very helpful uh, to to today and and tonight and and the engagement that we've had on 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 online in relation to all of this, David. There's anything else you want. Yeah. i just
1: say, just to, to come back, I think there was uh, one question, I think it was Catherine. Catherine there just said, how do you see this panning out? Mm. Um, I think the, 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 the crucial issue, and, and I, I don't think you and I are qualified to answer this, is what happens if we flatten the curve? Is it a case that the virus comes back in October because we don't, uh, we don't, we're not all immune? So we're kind of flattening the curve, waiting the vaccine that seems to be the overall strategy i'm hoping that that will mean that you know by mid-summer the end of summer where the health officials will say okay you've got the all clear for now what what worries me is if we we have this intermittent closing down over the course of the next six to eight months uh, and it'll be very interesting what uh, comes out of china whether or not and actually you see a a, a re a re-emergence of, of the virus. But, but I, I'm much more of an optimist than you are, Pierce. I, I also I think that people do change. I really do. I think people change. I think that people's lived experience is actually the ground of all of our ideas about how the society should work. And my sense is that we will look at our frontline public sector workers in a totally different way. And that is not to say that you dispense with having to have budgets. You need budgets. And that's not to say you dispense with some of the very good things that happen in the economy because the economy is capable. The interesting thing, here is three or four weeks ago, this economy was close enough to full employment. Incomes were rising. There was opportunity. Yeah, we had serious problems. You guys spoke about and articulated very, very well in the election, but they're fixable. Yeah. And I think, I think we've got to see that that, that economy comes back And then what we do is say, okay, what have we learned? And who do we reward in the next, let's say six or seven years? And I think that's very, very, it's, it's possible to do all this if you use your noggin, right? This is the whole thing, right? If you don't lose your noggin, these things pass you by, but if you use your head and say, okay, let's follow best practice here, let's see what those guys did there, let's see what that country did there, put that together in an overall framework, then I think this crisis when it passes will have been that moment where we can actually fix a lot of things.
0: Yeah well I definitely hope so and I, I can tell you from my part that's exactly what we're going to to try to do and um, you know our optimism David, um, <laughs> I, I, I come at this that I always held frontline workers in, in high regard so um, and I know I know others do as well but um suppose you can't be just but amazed and it's not just their frontline health workers, it's, it's those in the supermarkets, it's those that are keeping food flow and it's the, the cleaners that are so more so, so important it's it's very much low low, paid workers, it, said, in time, low you know? paid workers at this point it's paid not
1: workers.
0: um was it jeremy corbin who said it there's not much hedge funds that we're looking to today our masters of uh, of industry like it's it's very much our our, our low paid workers that are it's definitely
1: not your vulture fund uh, guys no, no.
0: yeah Listen, David, thanks a million. Uh, thanks for being our first guest on on this uh, conver- uh, Sinn Féin and Conversation. We're going to have a number of these over the next uh, next period uh, to, to keep you blinching. And I've really enjoyed it, I've, I've got a lot from it, so thanks a million. And I've really enjoyed seeing the interaction online as well. So we've had first. thousands of responses. Um, our team is going to try and get to all of them over the next uh, number of days as, as quickly as we can. David, I really want to thank yourself for, for taking the time uh, to answer some of these questions from 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 people online and for engaging in this, and again, just anybody who hasn't been tuning into what Dave McWilliams has said, he's been ahead of the curve in some of the, these issues, as he's been in many occasions. And the podcast is probably the best way to to, to stay in touch with your views and and thoughts at a, any given time. So, thanks for sharing your ideas Not and your problem. experience with Not us. My pleasure, my pleasure. No no sure. And listen, as we finish off, just my thoughts are with everybody tonight, uh, particularly with those families and friends of those who have lost their life in the battle against COVID nineteen. I wanna send my solidarity and my sympathy with everybody who's who is fighting through this battle at the time and also my support and the party support for everybody who's working on the front lines, trying to keep it safe, trying to keep the community safe. It's it's you know, we're 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 flattening the curve to use that terrible expression and hopefully in a couple of months we'll never have it in our lexicon again. But we're it's it's starting to work. We're we're trying it we're keeping it down and people are Listening to the health guidance, doing the right thing, keeping social distance, keeping physical distance, keep washing your hands, keep listening to the the experts and stay safe. Look after yourself. And thanks for everybody for tuning in over the last 40 minutes. Thanks a million, David, and to the team behind this operation.